Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Spark Your Fire. Last episode of the year, John. Excited? Yeah, I'm excited. I'm hot too. Uh, we're both like wearing t-shirts and boxer shorts, so um, it's 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 a warm day. But yeah, it's it's been a good year. Probably the most unprofessional looking for the time, <laughs> the time being. Ever since we moved to video this year, as well. By the way, we made some right. progress last year. Um, you know, certainly earlier this year we started moving on to video, so. People can now see us as well as just listen to us on podcast. So that oh. added another level of complexity. I think you were quite resistant initially about getting onto the camera, but uh, <laughs> done very well. Done very well. So here we are. Here we are. All right. Last episode of the year, but, uh, you know, certainly still packed with contents. Let's put it that way. Okay. So yeah, that's right. um, December cash rate, let's start off with that. Um, so December cash rate uh, was a hold at 4.35. I think RBA certainly want to give our uh, give us the Christmas present early. Uh, to a degree, you know, m- I think most of the economists are pretty consistent in terms of saying it's going to be a hold this time. Um, the CPI data last month came down to be a lot weaker than what people have expected as well. So on that note, inflation might be trending down a lot faster than we all anticipating. Fingers crossed. Um, as again, I might just come in there. I actually, th- most economists, I think, were saying that they would move in December, Is it? but 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 right at the end, changed their mind. So it was it was around October. There was like, oh well, there's got to be two more rate rises, mm-hmm. uh, Melbourne Cup, and then December. And and I think that the 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 changing consensus was quite a late change yes uh, I, mean, I think we discussed that they wouldn't but i don't think that was consensus at the time yeah yeah no I, yeah so i think you're right i'm uh, thinking about the narrative it was they were when november was up they were certainly thinking there's a possibility with december as well yeah. but after the november uh cpi data has been released that's when they started changing and say no it's weaker than uh, so you know we're probably looking at the next next year so uh which is which is good uh in a sense but I think the RBA still kept the hawkish tone at the moment. So, you know, she's still, Michelle Bullock is still stating the same. Um, if required and if the data tells us to, we will not hesitate to pull another trigger. Um, so that's why they're, they're leaving that space and, you know, economists are thinking because the next meeting is February now. And by the way, they're only going to do eight meetings next year. Um, they're changing to the new system now. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, but the first meeting is going to be February. Uh, and also um, they will have the quarterly CPA data available at that time, which I think will be a lot more meaningful. So let's see how Australians fare at that point, whether they're still spending spree like crazy over Christmas period or whether they've decided to cut back because the impact of the rate increases are now starting to hurt. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I th- my, my my yeah, we'll see, we'll see. I mean, my, my view is that the the ten year yield. They say the bond market never lies. You know, there's mm. you can have property prices going up, and you can have the stock market going up, but what's happening in the bond markets is is the most uh, kind of uh, the best indicator. Yeah, over the last month in a, in the US at least, the ten year yield. You know, you got to watch the ten year yield. The ten year yield has really plummeted, uh, which is which is to say that. Interest rate expectations in the US, at least, uh, have changed completely. The the inflation numbers are low. The ten year yields down to three point two percent. So to to lend for ten years, you're going to get make three point two percent, which is very low, suggesting that potentially rates are going to start getting dropped in March in the US, at least, and we're about six months behind them. Yeah. So I don't actually think that they will reduce them in March, but that's quite early. I mean, that's that's suggesting that the bond market, which is which is the, the the north star, is suggesting earlier rather than later rates will come down. And I actually think that you know the interesting thing about a recession is you don't know you're in a recession until you're out of it, <laughs> uh, because it has to be two consecutive quarters. That means it, it takes six months to to experience the recession and then a couple of months to report it. So. You're out of the recession by the time they reported. Oh, you were in a recession last year. So I actually feel like we're probably in a recession right now, mm. and then by April they'll be reporting that. April May we'll we'll know. Um, in which case, yeah, they're going to start to bring rates down. I, I do I do think that the US will bring rates down first. Let's say May June, and then we'll be doing it a couple of months after that. Mm. Okay. Yep. 
that'll be that'll be promising. But the uh, there's still a chance that it could still go up um, in first half of 2024. Let's put it that way from an Australian RBA perspective. Uh, I think one of the key things to note from memory was um, she has noted that the inflation figures right now is is locally driven. It's not because of import uh, or anything, you know, not because fuel prices and all those things. It's actually the demand. So there's still too much demand locally at the moment. That's what's driving or that's what's making inflation at the moment still stickier. So um, yeah. it's it's local now. Um, so. Well, the... the- the oil price went below seventy dollars a barrel this week. Just I think on Wednesday or Thursday. So that, that's, I mean, we were saying how low the oil price was when it dipped below eighty bucks. Um, when 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 the inflation concerns rose uh, started to emerge again, which is about two months ago, uh, oil was at, at, at about ninety dollars. So oil is about sixty nine dollars a barrel US now. So that's a significant decrease. Now some of you listening may say yes, but. Uh, oil prices are excluded from core CPI. You are correct, but it, uh, oil is the the key ingredient in about two thousand goods, including the clothes we wear. So yes. uh, it, it makes a big difference. So, yeah. um, yes, we, we might be talking about. I remember we. we ch- I remember um, Grant Cardone said in June thereabouts. Now Grant Cardone is that big kind of bombastic property uh, property guy in the US, but he's quite interesting, and he said that. In about June, he said, a year from now, so in six months from now, uh, he said that we'll be begging for inflation. Mm. Well, wait and see. Gone. They, they've gone too hard. They've gone too hard. Yes. yes. And the narratives change from higher for longer to higher for long enough, I think. Yes. That's, what, that's the narrative now, isn't it? <laughs> well, the interesting thing about the oil prices, so the, the interesting thing about the oil prices that OPEC keep cutting supply mm. and the price keeps dropping, which means the underlying demand is falling off a cliff. Falling now, out. if underlying demand for oil is falling off a cliff, we're in a bad, we're in a, the economy is in a bad state. They can't cut production fast enough to stop, stop the price from falling. So wow. again, there's a lag in, in the statistics, but in, in, you know, March, we might be talking about this steep recession that we're in i mean the oil price is telling us something um oil price the 10-year yield it's all sort of coming together Mm. uh that there's a lot of demand destruction out there so you know we'll wait and see interesting interesting yeah we'll definitely uh keep an eye on the um Mm. those uh core figures moving forward but um I think 2024 is going to be an interesting year um that's for sure um and that's basically our key topics for today as well so you know what we'll do is we'll we'll run through the core logic data is what we do and use that as a bit of a analyst and, and catalyst to talk about the 2023 property market in australia um and then we'll also uh do a um a bit of a forecasting or yep. what we think 2024 is gonna be like so all right um so as usual uh let me just share my screen and we'll run through our core logic data figures uh for november Okay. All right. So here is our November figure uh, here. John, can you see the screen? Just checking. Okay. Okay. Yes. Fantastic. Okay. All right. So look, the key headline, um, there's still growth uh, in November figures. However, um, it's starting to slow, uh, basically, is, is the key narrative here. Okay. So, um, and we're returning into a multi-speed uh, type of condition. So, um, you know, the bigger cities who are more prone to interest rate rises, which, you know, after the Melbourne Cup day rise, I think everyone's had another shock <laughs> of that. So the Sydney, Melbourne um, cities, which are more prone to interest rate increases, are now certainly started to see the, the speed slowing down, the growth slowing down. As we can see, the month for Sydney is now only a 0.3% and Melbourne is at a minus 0.1%. Uh, whereas the other cities are uh, less impacted cities and the more affordable cities are uh, Perth, um, Adelaide and Brisbane still had a really strong gain. So Brisbane 1.3, Adelaide 1.2, Perth a stunning 1.9% of the month. Um, yes. So, you know, these are le- these are less uh, impacted by the interest rates. And um, yeah, so that's, I think we're going to continue to see this moving forward. Um, basically, as the um, as the interest rate environment remains as is through twenty twenty four, unless there's cuts, potential cuts coming on, 
otherwise there's probably not going to be much changes um yeah so um any comments on that john any thoughts in particular uh so i mean the 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 big growers brisbane Adelaide, Perth. I suppose no surprises for me other than Adelaide. Adelaide is, is just seems un, unstoppable. So mm. maybe we'll come to that in the 2024 review. Um, the, my, I guess my footnote would be that um, Sydney at 0.3 of a percent is is the, the slowest growth we've seen. The peak growth was back in June, actually, which is a, a quite quite a long way away in the rear vision mirror, uh, where we were growing about 2% a month. Um, it, December, and we're about nine days into December. So December will be lower than 0.3 of a percent because uh, yep. I, I track the daily indexes and it it, it is going up and down some days. Yep. So I think that we'll have like 0.1 of a percent growth in December. And then it's uh, anyone's guess for next year. Yeah. But what a what a cracking year for, for real estate. Indeed. What a cracking year. If you look at that annual column, I mean, what what a great year! What a, what a fantastic year for real estate. So, yeah, I know it's amazing, isn't it? When you look at it, um, certainly Sydney at ten point two percent on an annual basis. That's mm-hmm. that's phenomenal. Like, yeah, I think last year around this time when we did it, Sydney market was pretty dead. Mm. Uh, yeah, because that was just when we started to raise the interest rates and everyone started to go, "Oh, what's going on?" Right, um, but despite the continuous uh, increases in terms of the cash rate, Sydney did not stop this year. That was definitely one of the biggest surprises that I think most people did not expect. Um, however, one person did expect that, John. <laughs> yeah, one we, person. <laughs> you were you were reviewing our uh, our December twenty twenty two video, and uh, and we said that the two best performing markets would be Sydney and Perth. Uh, we're wrong about the ranking, but I mean, geez, we, we got the direction right. And you got the direction right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so I certainly, I, I certainly didn't see Sydney being so strong at that point in time. But uh, yeah, I was checking out our um, our December twenty twenty two recording, and um, I remember, yeah, you did mention you believe Sydney and Perth are going to be the two strong performers in twenty twenty three. So, yeah. um, and um, look at that ten point two percent for Sydney on an annual basis, and thirteen point five percent for Perth on an annual basis. So. Well done. Well done. Yeah, Michael. I underestimated Brisbane. Uh, Br- Sydney outperformed Brisbane in the first half and then underperformed Brisbane in the second half. <clears throat> Br- Brisbane's, I, I mean, maybe the story is that Brisbane has legs until the Olympics. I mean, maybe that's that's mm. the story. But m- my guiding light is the the ratios that we do. We do uh, those videos where we compare real estate to gold and then re- the Sydney's, ca- the capitals to each other. Yeah. Uh, two, th- maybe three times at the most per year. So we'll probably do that again in March. But um I, I kind of thought Brisbane was a bit overvalued uh, during the year, and yet it's it cracked on. Uh, so it's 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 done. Very, so Brisbane, a little bit surprising, but um, it might have legs for a few more years. Mm. I know it's uh, yeah, it's surprisingly uh, strong at the moment in terms of the the market and on the ground, especially. When I look at the median value as well, it's pretty much on par with Melbourne yeah. now. Um, 2023 is being a catching up year for Brisbane. But at the same time, uh, it's been a disappointing year for Melbourne, I should say. Um, you know, Sydney has had another leg of upwards trend uh, across 2023. That's not being seen in Melbourne at all. Uh, Melbourne's been very subdued across the full year. So um, I think that's still partly to do with the policy uh, makers and, um, you know, uh, and um, and Melbourne, unfortunately, still have one of the worst yield just pretty much in, on, on par with yeah. Sydney now at the moment on that. So so that's turning a lot of investors away. So if you look at those areas, you know, a lot of the investors buying pretty much in Perth, Adelaide and Brisbane, these investors are, are actively working on these three markets, whereas you probably don't get any any investors in Sydney and Melbourne at the moment? Not, not interstate, certainly. I mean, you get local investors, but local investors, um, yeah. But you, you don't get someone from Perth calling and saying, "John, I need to," I'd, you know, that two point six percent yield is really compelling. Can I buy a <laughs> uh, an investment property in Sydney? No, that's that's not really happening. No. Um, no. What I, I do, what I like about this chart is the total returns. It, it really does put good context into uh, into what your what your overall return is. Yeah, including the rents, and we, you know, I, I do it too. We all ignore uh, the rental returns because we're in it for the capital gain. But it's a fantastic reminder that actually 
real estate's doing magical things. It's not just it's not just the gains, it's the the total return and the leverage. So if you did those returns against your upfront deposit rather than on the the nominal value of the property, you're in uh, you're making fifty percent a year. That's one way to look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That total return column certainly. Um, should it deserves a lot more attention than uh, <laughs> than what we normally do? That's for sure. But um, yeah, I think I think yeah, this is uh, this is the year for Perth. Um, that's for sure. I think undoubtedly, um, you know, looking at that and and my personal feel, my personal feeling is still going to continue on next year as well. Um, I still I think that it's chances are it's going to be one of the top performers um, yeah. as well. That's for sure. So. Well, we're going to put our uh, necks on the line uh, shortly and and come up with our top performers. <laughs> but we're... Yes, we have to. Do you need me to prepare something for you, John, in order for your neck to stick out? <laughs> I'm gonna I, I'm gonna wing it, but let's uh, we'll, we'll do it. In a, we'll do it in a moment. <laughs> All right, mate. Let's continue on. Yeah. Um, hedonic home value indexes rolling three month changes. Okay, so yeah, so that gives us a bit of um housing values through the recent cycles, um previous peak trough. I mean, I'm not going to cover this. I think most people can probably look at it themselves um, in that sense. Um, okay, so um, there has been a rise in the vendor activities, uh, basically, especially in um, in Sydney uh, and Melbourne markets, uh, essentially. So the you know the stock levels, the new listings, the stock level has been going up consistently um, for the last um, for the last month across to uh, to spring. Um, so if you look at, so the four weeks ending November, you know, the advertised stock level above the previous five-year average in Hobart, Canberra, Melbourne, and Sydney. So we've always had an issue of lack of stock, I think, in the first half of 2023. But now that's starting to catch up. So the new listings are pretty much on par with the five-year average now, okay? Um, but the same can't be said for Perth, Brisbane, and Adelaide. So these three cities, advertised stock levels remains remarkably low. Okay, Perth actually is about forty percent below their five-year average right, this time right, of the year. Right, there is nothing to buy there. There yeah. is absolutely nothing to buy. Yeah, listings are while listings are more than minus thirty percent below average in Brisbane and Adelaide. So these three cities, there's a reason why these three cities have performed so well. There's literally no supply. There's nothing to buy. There's a lot of demand because of investor activities, basically, because you're getting decent recent, decent yields, um, mm. decent capital growth prospects moving forward. So, you know, that's the reason why it's pushing it up. Where Sydney and Melbourne prices or Sydney and Melbourne supply at the moment has been quite high. Uh, there's a lot more properties coming up, um, but the rental return and everything. So it's not something that the investors will be looking at. So, yeah. Hmm. But it's just, fascinating. Just, mm. just a quick, like uh, the 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 media make a big deal out of stock uh, going up, and I'm I'm totally unimpressed by it because, as as you know, you and I have discussed, it's not population adjusted. Yes. Um, the the fact that we've got the same volumes as five years ago, it w- would be, I suppose, a signal if we had the same population as five years ago, but we've got significantly more people. It's not the same now. And it's great. Yeah, like that we can't, the supply can't keep up. What should be happening is every year that supply goes up um, to, to have a balanced market. So uh, I think that the, the closest thing that we can get to population adjusted supply is actually over on the rental side, which is the vacancy rate. Vacancy rate, yeah. Uh, and the vacancy rate staying super tight. Mm. Um, yeah. But, yeah. but yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's good to see ticking up a little bit in spring and summer, but I, I don't think we've solved our shortage problem at all. No, no, that's for sure. And also on the demand side as well, it's worth noting that, you know, despite the high cost of the debt and, um, and the very pessimistic consumer sentiment, the purchasing activity has actually held reasonably firm. So people are still wanting to buy, um, needing to buy. So um yeah, so the quarterly sales activity holding roughly in line with the previous five-year average as well, while regional demand is trending moder- uh, modestly higher from below average levels. So I think that kind of tells us, yes, you know, like you said, John, um, we're having a lot more population in here at the moment. And uh, the the demand, I think it's probably due to that, 
due to the fact on those, that's why the demand has been kept relatively yeah. on par uh, with mm-hmm. us. Yeah. Yes. So, so a lot of supplies are uh, on average demand um, on especially capital cities uh, or the, all those uh, Sydney, Melbourne, Hobart, Canberra, those cities. Um, yeah, that's why um, it's probably going to be going pretty flat moving forward. All right, moving on. So this is your favorite part, John, looking at vacancy rate. Sticking at 1% now in November, okay? No 1%. Adelaide's at 0.3%. Perth at 0.6%. Melbourne at 0.8%. And Sydney at 1.2%. Brisbane at 1.3%. So with an average of about 1%. Extremely tight. Nothing to rent. Nothing to buy. Yeah, no. Melbourne Melbourne looks to me like a two-litre bottle of Coke that's been shaken up. Like it, it, if... if <laughs> and we, Like there's a lot of demand in Melbourne for... for Yes. For dwellings, at least, and you, the vacancy rate saying that there's a there's a massive imbalance. The prices are going down. It's 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 partly the policy settings, and it's partly that capital goes to where it's treated well, and it's not treated well in in Melbourne. But um, uh, but there's there's clearly a shortage, and I, I feel like it's 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 gonna it's gonna pop because clearly there's a shortage there. So mm. uh, yeah, we'll 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 see again. Twenty twenty four conversation coming right up. That's right, yeah, and uh, and rents been consistently rising as well since August twenty twenty. So it's been forty mm. months, uh, basically. So for the last three years and a bit more, and rents has been continuing been pushing up because of the fact. I mean, we can see from this graph here, it was literally just basically going down. Um, yeah, you know. So as you put, as you as you as you as you open the floodgate with migration i think that's expected but at the same time there is no supply and you know we're just not building building new dwellings fast enough at the moment to be able to cater for that so this this uh 2 liter bottle coke situation i think it's going to continue on <laughs> for a lot longer <laughs> unfortunately across a lot of cities um you know Adelaide yeah. 0.3% i've never seen a figure that low yeah, yeah, it's insane. That is insane. Perth at 0.6 of a percent. So, but but at least Perth's um and Adelaide's growth is reflected in the 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 figures. At least you can see that there's clearly a shortage. Melbourne's going backwards and and the supply is getting tighter. So, yeah. But let you know, Sydney and Brisbane at one point that's they're unusually low. They're just higher than the rest. So, correct. Yes, that's still very low from a historic yeah. level. So, um yeah. Looking from that perspective, all of Australia is actually under a pressure cooker right now. So yeah. that's for sure. All right. Uh, November also marks the first time in six months where rents have risen at a faster rate than home values. So this one will be interesting to you. Oh, expect that to continue. Like that, that, that continue that's back. definitely going to happen. Yeah. 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 So the, the rent pressure cooker is going to continue, but the prices uh, have started to ease um, to, to a degree. So um, I think it will be a, investors might be rejoicing with uh, a higher gross rental return potentially in 2024, potentially. So what we haven't seen is yield normalisation yet. So we've got, um, I mean, I think that at the peak of the market in 2021, the the yield on a Sydney house was probably 1.9% and now it's 2.6%. So it's shifted a little bit. But what, what should happen is that, the yield in real estate should go to the borrowing rate. So yep. the, the yield needs to go to 5%, let's say, round numbers. Um, we're miles away from 5%. So so rents, I mean, I wonder if rents have even started their, their, their reset higher. They have to double from here in about, in, in, let's say, a couple of years. I mean, they, they have a long, long way to go higher for the yield to reset. The other way that could happen is if prices fall. So if property mm-hmm. prices come down, and rents go up. That's how you can get that normalization of the of the yield. But something, the the yields are way out of whack compared to interest rates. So there has to be some adjustment. Prices down, rents up. But I just don't see prices coming down materially enough to change that. So it all has to be higher rents. I think that that's just going to keep happening. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, terrible news for renters, to be honest. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, every time when the rent's being renewed, it's still going to continue to go up and up and up. And this year has been some jaw-dropping rent increases that we're seeing across mm. the board, right? Um, it's partly due to the fact the interest rate's been going up so quickly as well. So that's 
that cost is being passed on to uh, mm. from landlords to renters in order to be able to hold on to the properties. But mm. um, I do agree with you. I think I I, I don't see that it's going to be a, a, a lot of reduction in terms of the prices or the values moving forward from a property value perspective. So in other words, the rent's going to yeah. have to continue to catch up. Which is so the average, the average investor has seen their mortgage repayments go up by about 70, 75%. And the average renter has seen their rents go up, let's say about 15%. So there's a lot more stress on the landlord than there is on the the um Huge. on the tenant, even though there's stress all around. Like I'm not belittling any anyone's pain. But my guess is, you know, because markets are a weighing machine, as Benjamin Graham said, that they're weighing uh things, you know, you go too far to one side of the boat and then it tips and so on. So it's weighing constantly. Rents need to go up a, a lot more <clears throat> to, to equilibrate what's happened in interest rates. Mm. Is my guess, yeah. Or the other, everyone's a renter now. Like we're we're too far on one side of the boat because buying has been yes. has been, you know, made too, too expensive. So, or the other potential is if head Fed does start cutting rates next year, then rates could be coming down as well as part of that normalization yeah. process. Yes, yes. So yields will be moving closer. Let's say, for example, if, if cash rate does come back down to about 3.5% um, and, and, and you know, interest rate goes up to about 5 then, you know, that the gross rental yield at that point in time, the rent doesn't need to go up. The yeah. prices doesn't need to drop as much in order to get closer to that mortgage rate that people are paying. Mm. That's another possibility as well. Yeah, that's right. In which case, the, the, that's... The, the the cap coming off the coke bottle a little bit so that's releasing that'll release some pressure Correct. on rents if they if they lower rates yeah interesting okay all right um okay so looking at a few summary points here um so CoreLodge believe that it is looking increasingly clear that housing market is moving through a new inflection point with the rate of growth in home values becoming more diverse but generally weakening um, so Tim Lawless stated that the upswing in housing value since February has been relatively thinly traded and occurred against a backdrop of low inventory. I do agree with that. I think there was very, very little stock for the first half of the year. Mm. And then he continued on saying, the factors that have supported value growth are losing their potency with advertised stock levels rising to above average levels in some cities, namely those Sydney, Canberra, Melbourne, Hobart. Those are the cities that we mentioned before. Uh, basically, so um, so those cities are going to be performing relatively weak in moving forward. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that that's basically. It's interesting that you're saying is a new inflection point, John. What do you think? Do you think that we hit the new inflection point now? Well, uh, I mean, everyone feels like we're going into a new phase every December. That there's a sense that this happens. So uh, clearly, the rate of increases has slowed down. Um. Yeah, it, it's it, when the market's not trying to catch up the 2022 losses anymore. That that's true. We're, we've entered a more normal market. I think that's fair enough. I mean, partly it's partly uh, interest rates on pause allow the market to catch its breath. So the market is sort of figuring out what's next. And but when when rates are going up by 75 basis points a month, as they were a couple of months ago, the the market's sort of dis, discombobulated. Uh, but now, yes, we're probably entering a new market because we're on pause on the interest rates. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I still I, I think bull markets and bear markets go for long periods of time. I think I think they're decade long actually. Mm. So changes from one year to another not necessarily indicative of going of a bull market ending or another bull market beginning. Yeah. It's just I just think we zigzag up over time, but that's that's what I think within within a bull market. We might. So I still think. So yeah. let, let me put a put a yes. cherry on that. Go for it. I think we're still in the same bull market, and we will be next year. Okay, but it won't go up as fast. Yeah. So we'll still there will still be growth, um, yeah. but it's just going to be very moderate growth, um, not as strong as this year. Yeah. No urgency to catch up. No urgency. Year. Yeah. yeah. And also come to think of it, it also in terms of the inflection point, uh, certainly the cash rate in, in US has now hit the inflection point on that side of things. And um, same thing with um, Australian, you know, we're, we're probably about six months behind them. So 
who knows, we might be at the top of our current cash rate already as well. Mm. And it might not be, they're not might need to be another 0.25 or even another 0.5 on top of that. But yeah, um, yeah let's see. All right. Um, adding further downside risk to housing activities of worsening in housing affordability. I think that is absolutely true. Affordability has been a key issue, uh, especially in Sydney, um, Melbourne as well. I think Sydney in particular. Yeah. The median dwelling value to income ratio rose to 7.5. The portion of household income required to service a new mortgage is close to a record high at 46.2%. That's 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 an astonishing figure. Yeah, it should be around 30%. Like if you go back decades, it's it's always around uh, 30, 35%. Mm. Yeah. So on average, 30, 35%. Now we're sitting at a record high of about 46%. It's high. It's, yeah. 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 No wonder, like, people's savings buffer is dropping like crazy at the moment. Yeah, that's right. That's mm. right. It now takes an average of 10 years to save a 20% deposit. Oh, mm. Four new generations, I feel for wow. them, that's for sure. And the portion of household income dedicated to rental payments has risen to 31%. So renters are also suffering at the moment. And that number could easily go up and continue to go up next year Yeah, as well. As I mean, it's so... It's so tempting to say the problem is high interest rates. That's not true. That the solution is high interest rates. The problem is that they did it that quickly. And the problem is that the, the problem is we talked about the party versus the hangover last week. But mm. um, the, the problem is that they should never have dropped them as low as they did during COVID. I mean, that's that. So restoring interest rates and restoring saving rates and all those sorts of things is, is the right thing to do. But they they did they did it in such a ham fisted way that something is almost certain to break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's true. In fact, to a degree, I think even some some opinions were like um, RBA hasn't actually done enough and fast yes. enough. That was the main thing. I think they're certainly what they're trying to do. They try to take the conservative approach. They try to do adding a little bit, see what the market reacts, see how everyone's reacting, and that kind of stuff. If they if they've gone from a very like what Fed has done, such an aggressive increase in the last 12 months i think that i think the market basically the property market will be standing in a very different position today mm. but the inflation will be coming down a lot faster so it will be similar yeah. to the feds the us trend it's going to be up a lot quicker and down a lot quicker as yeah. well yeah so, yeah that's right yeah. i mean the key indicator is actually real interest rates so when we were raising interest rates and we were going from sort of 2 to 3 to 4% inflation was 8% so we still had negative real interest rates and everyone's wondering why the real estate market's going up it's because when you have negative real interest rates they're paying you to borrow um we don't have that at the moment we've got very high real interest rates so we've got what is essentially inflation at very low levels but now very high interest rates yeah. so it it changed very quickly and now this is why there's distress now but there wasn't distress in say june yes when they were raising rates yeah okay all right so yeah affordability is certainly something that we should keep an eye on moving forward um unfortunately yeah it's just not getting getting any easier for anyone uh, both the homeowners and the renters yeah uh they also did mention rental condition is set to loosen which is uh slightly different to uh uh, I mean, uh, yes, yes, and no. Uh, it is going to. I mean, we, what what our what our perspective is? It's going to continue to go up, but it's not going to go up at the sharp rate as how it has been performing this year, um, as well, isn't it? So, um, and CoreLogic's view of that is because it's likely that we are moving through a peak in net overseas migration. Okay, so in other words, the overseas migration peak has has passed us now. But other factors should see vacancy rates starting to rise and rental growth slow further, including a gradual normalization in household size and reduced rental demand as home builder completions flow through. Yeah, there are, are there a lot of think, home builder completions. <laughs> it I depends so, what yes. we're completing. I think we're completing a lot, a lot of one bedroom units. So, uh, for students, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I think question like. We're still in a shortage for rental. Uh, and the yield conversation from before, rents have to go up. Yeah, just that the rates to see where they're going up is going to be, I think, what to watch out for moving forward. Um, okay, and so overall, housing value performance is likely to be softer next year rather than to 2023. 
WA and Queensland look well-placed to outperform the rest of the country given solid interstate migra migration rates, low supply and less affordability challenges relative to Sydney and Melbourne. So mm. that's in line with basically what we believe is going to happen as well. So, cool. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's pretty much um, in a nutshell. Um, I think, John, you did think there was one... There was one thing that you mentioned in December last year. You think that the the unit growth is going to outperform houses. Yeah, I was wrong on that. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of like what surprised me, um, and and I'm going to ask you the same question, but in what in terms of what surprised me, I thought units would outperform. Yep. I remember distinctly saying that at, at the end of last year that I thought units would have a a good year, and I, I think that they just did, you know, well but slightly worse than houses. Um, so I guess I'd predict that units will outperform next year, but I keep expecting that to happen. Yeah, that's what surprised me. I think in terms of the capital, the capitals, I think um, probably Adelaide's strong performance surprised me, although when you look at the vacancy rates, it mm. doesn't look like that's going to stop. But uh, um, and, and Brisbane surprised me. Brisbane surprised me. They, they were doing quite well. Uh, they, I think they were the best capital in 2022 and possibly 2021 as well. Uh, so I'm surprised that they had such a good year as well. Yeah, no, that's for sure. I think yeah, everyone was quite surprised in terms of Sydney and um, yeah. well, I say that's probably just me. But uh, um, but circling back, look at uh, looking at uh, looking at the uh, the unit growth. That's uh, that's just do a quick comparison. So Sydney mm. units was doing on an annual basis seven point one percent. Houses was 11.5%. So, yeah. okay, well, Sydney didn't. Sydney's units didn't perform that much. Mm. Uh, Melbourne, um, capitals, 2.5%. And uh, houses at 3.3%, so not really. But Brisbane, 11.3% annually for units, whereas 10.6% for houses. So there you go. Um, units have actually done quite well uh, in comparison to houses. And funny enough, because you did mention, you know, generally speaking, when we buy in Brisbane, we'd be looking at buying houses over units, right? So, and but we're Sydney not house prices, yeah. Sydney house prices beat Brisbane house prices. So that's <laughs> <laughs> it's true on an whatever annual. that means. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Adelaide's pretty much the same annual for units, 8.8 and uh, 7.4% for capitals, mm. and uh, Perth, 10.9% for units, and houses has done a stunning 13.8%. So. Yeah. Go Perth. There you go. There you go. So uh, yeah. All right, but yeah. So um, I think that's good. You uh, certainly there's a few surprises um for us in 2023 from a recap perspective. But uh, shall we talk about 2024? Let's do it. Let's uh, let's do All it. Right. Uh, who wants to go first? <laughs> <laughs> that's always the case. Uh, who go first? Who went first last time? I don't remember, but maybe I don't know. Flip a coin or rock scissors paper or, or uh, maybe. <laughs> oh, oh okay so 2024 all right let me yeah. let me let me put my neck out then um my short neck <laughs> <laughs> um okay so top performers i still think perf okay. is going to be number one um perf brisbane and I'm, I'm going to chuck Adelaide on as well. I think okay. these are still the, the the relatively affordable. I'm playing safe here, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but which um, would be the worst performer? Do you think the worst performer? Are we including or excluding Darwin? Oh, we're including Darwin. That's a good good point. Yep. <laughs> yep. I'd probably put Darwin yep. in that sense. Right. But yeah, I I I I think uh, with 2024. Uh, Sydney will be Sydney will be slow and steady market. So maybe maybe around I don't know five to ten percent or even less to be honest. Maybe more around yeah. the five percent, closer to five percent. It's still going to continue to stay as is. We're not going to see crazy numbers what we see this year. Um, certainly not a ten percent growth and not a double digit growth. Uh, but I think a key factor here that could impact that is depending on how quickly RBA starts dropping rates mm. because that sentiment change. Is going to light the fire on different markets, and Sydney being one of those that's more uh, impacted by the interest rate changes. As soon as the sentiment starts to change, I think Sydney market's going to rebound very, very quickly again in terms yeah. of that. So, 
Um, yeah, so so the interest rate decision and reduction, as well as the sentiment change, is going to have a big impact in terms of the Sydney market, um, and again the the Melbourne market as well. Yeah, because don't forget, I think Melbourne market, like you said, it's it's a pressure cooker situation right now, and I'm one of the surprises in 2023 that I have was. Melbourne market actually has not performed at all. It's just been subdued the whole year, right? Mm. But it can't remain that way. Like it's still the number one net immigration from overseas, overseas migration capital. And there's so much demand in that city uh, at the moment and it can't be subdued like this for mm. such a time, right? And, you know, with our, with the, uh, with the, with the goal comparison that you've done, it's clearly showing that Melbourne is now undervalued and there's going to be a lot of value to be whole. So if 2024 kicks off with a rate reduction in the second half of the year, I think Melbourne's going to change and it's going to rebound even bigger than Sydney. To catch yeah. up. But that's a big if in term, depending on when the mm. um, interest rate is going to change. But yeah, otherwise, um, yeah, the, the, the rental yield is still terrible, unfortunately. Um, yeah. But having said that, I mean, that's just, you know, in general, in terms of the market, there's always going to be markets within markets, for example. Um, if coming from a property investor perspective, if I can work through the cash flow challenges at the moment, I actually think it's a great time to be looking at buying, snatching up Melbourne or Victoria assets in general, yeah. especially the regional areas, you know, Bendigo, Ballarat, Geelong, mm. um, you know, these there's a lot of available property for sale um, and and um, buyer has a lot of negotiation power right mm-hmm. now. So if you put cash flow side of things aside, um, I would say, you know, for investors, don't discount the Victorian market in 2024. It will be a great time to be entering in if, you, if, if cash flow is not an issue for you. You know, you could be looking at subdivision sites. You'd be looking at a lot of potentials at the moment, selling potentially even be- even below land value right mm. now, even below land value. So um, that'd be that'd be where I would be eyeing in particular. But because Perth at the moment, yes, Perth is still fantastic. I would still look at Perth, but Perth's got too much demand. Like every Eastern Seaboard investor is looking at Perth right now. Yeah. You're just one of the 10,000s, if not 50,000 of investors that's wanting to you know, to be able to put a bid in in terms of property, so you got to go counterclockwise to a degree. You got to you got to do something different to others. If you can get something in Perth, fantastic, great. But if, you know, from a long term strategic perspective, if you want something that you can do value with later on, yeah, regional Victoria is a great place to look at. Right, right. Oh, that's quite specific, I but I think I think it's quite it's quite a good tip. That's quite a good tip. Mm-hmm. Um, any other any other any dark horses or surprises any any other predictions for next year uh besides the capitals so that was a good summary of the capitals anything else that you think might happen next year from a real estate perspective um no i think that's uh those i think those will be the key highlights to be honest i think 2024 might not be a very strong property year in honesty yeah. like yeah, there's a lot of turmoil in terms of the changes that's being made in 2023. You know, interest rates and um and and all these um you know 500,000 overseas migrants flooding in all of a mm. sudden. It might not be that much next year, and therefore it's going to be more of a slow and steady year next year. A bit like a sleeping sleeping asset in terms of that. You'll probably get a lot more excitement over Bitcoin or, or gold, like gold's been flying at the moment, right? So if you want some adrenaline, go look at something else. Yeah. But having said that, I, yeah, I do think that 2024 for property market is going to be a slow and steady year, um, it, but it's still going to perform relatively yeah. well um, in, in that case. So like we always do, zoom out, you know, we look at from a 10, 20 year horizon, this is just going to be one of those other years where if you can afford to get in, of course, that's get in um, because, you know, uh, once once the cash rate starts to turn, it would it would change. The narrative would change very quickly again. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I hear. Um, and interestingly, on the gold thing, gold going up means that in real terms, everything else is coming down. So mm-hmm. so there's there's been a very quiet correction in the in, in asset prices with the spiking in um gold this year really so that that's yeah. so things do things do correct in real terms in a, in a in a more obscure way so 
Um, so we might be seeing our Sydney real estate prices head back towards 400 ounces, which means that there's still good value. Ooh. All right. Um, John. My take. So I think, I mean, this is hard, right? This is hard because the worst thing about forecasting is that it hasn't happened yet. But um, so I'm going to say my top performers are Melbourne and I'm going to say Perth, but it could have been Brisbane. But I'm going to say Melbourne and Perth will be the top performers. Okay. Uh, Dark Horse for Darwin. Um, Dark I think Horse Darwin, Darwin will be in the top parts, but but we'll see. So Melbourne and Perth with a Dark Horse to Darwin. Uh-huh. I think Adelaide will be the worst performer. And I know Adelaide's tight, but it's just it's had a multi-year run-up. Like, I just think it, it has to pause here for a second. Um so I'm going to say Adelaide's the worst. Also on the Sydney to Adelaide ratio, Adelaide is starting to look expensive. So I'm a bit surprised it hasn't slowed down already. So Melbourne, Perth up the best, uh, the best with Darwin somewhere there perhaps, and Adelaide the worst. Um, I agree with you on Sydney. I actually think like three to five percent, something like that. Uh, you yep. can already see it in the dailies; it's slowing right down. But I, I still think that there's growth in there. I still think that that. I don't think real estate as a general asset class is that is as overvalued as it feels, but I think they're going to. I think there might be a turnaround in interest rates mm. this year. I've always thought sooner than we think because I always thought that we think it would be right at the end of the year, but I actually think it might be a little bit earlier than that. But putting a time frame on when interest rates will come down is is is, is not something I'm prepared to do. But I think it'll be this year. Um, four is yeah, 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 yeah. I think uh, sorry next year. Yeah. Um, I do think uh, units will outperform because um, I think there's so much demand, but I think we just usher ourselves into more affordable options. Mm. But people will still want to buy. Um, and I'm just trying to think of any other interesting, interesting things. Uh, it might be a bit more boring next year. Might be a bit more boring. I think. Um, but I don't think we're ready for any crashes or anything like that. I mean, the 18-year the cycle suggests that 2024 is a positive year, but I don't want to put too much stock in that because I've been wrong uh, thinking about that one before. So it, sh- it should it should be a positive year next year. It could be towards the, the later, half, later half when, when there's more interest rate movements. That's where it could potentially, you know. Yeah, maybe the yeah. movements in the second half of the year. That, that's again. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I think rents are gonna, rents are going to fly. I think rents are going to keep going. Can I ask why Melbourne is being one of the top performers in your opinion? Yeah, uh, because it's because it's starting to look cheap. Yeah, affordable. it's been looking cheap for a couple of months now. Let's say three to six months, and it's still <laughs> it, it's lagged even more. So when we when we last did our Sydney to Melbourne ratio, which was based on July data, uh, Melbourne was actually emerging as the cheapest capital mm. since uh, and from July to the present. It's just underperformed more. Whereas, you know, Perth is Perth has sort of maybe done its catch up already. Perth is looking great. Um, the 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 markets that have not done their uh, correction is is Darwin and Melbourne. Mm, they're, they're they're currently quite cheap. Now the question is, does it happen next year or does it happen in twenty twenty five? And who knows, right? But that that's why I'd say Melbourne Melbourne is is looking <laughs> like the cheapest market. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I mean, there's a lot of value in Melbourne, that's for sure, uh, moving forward. Um, but, uh, yeah, we just don't know when it's going to rebound. We know it's going to rebound at one point, but we don't know when. That's the key. Yeah. I mean, the only alternative is that people stop moving there. And it's like it's it's it's, it's so unattractive from a, a capital perspective that, that people are going to stop. But that hasn't happened yet. I mean, so people still want to live there because it's a great city. Uh, so, so long as that happens, when... Melbourne prices go up is just a matter of time. Yeah. I think the only thing that would potentially impact the property prices next year would be close to looking at it, the unemployment rate, basically. Yes. Yes. Because yes. when, when people start losing their job, that's when things are going to start turn and it's going to become quite ugly. So um, I think we're still about 3.7, 3. 3.8% unemployment rate. If it goes trending more towards a 5%, it's going to be, it's not going to be rosy uh, at that point in time. And I think, one of the reasons why RBA is being very cautious in terms of increasing a little bit and a little bit every time, and at this rate, is to try to help protect those mortgages as well. Um, in in that sense, right? So, and and also help protect unemployment um, as well. So, um, mm. yeah, try not to 
try not to basically kill the economy and unemployment yeah. um, at the same time. And just to, 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 to finish up on my side, at least with a macro yep. point, yep. Um, the biggest signal in the economy right now is the, the yield curve. The yield curve is inverted. Yes, uh, yes. What that means is it's essentially a, like a, a guaranteed recession indicator. So um, what that means is short interest rates, as in to, to lend for or to borrow for one year, is higher than to, to borrow to lend for 10 years. Long term, yeah, yeah. So you to 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 you know to borrow for one year, you, you're paying five percent. To borrow for ten years, you're paying three percent, mm. and it's steepening, which means it's getting even worse. Mm. The only way they can resolve this is usually it's after the recession happens, but they can just slash short term rates so that it looks like it's it's going in the right direction. Yep, and that's the and a recession. So low interest rates and a recession will fix the yield curve. That has to happen. That's going to happen at some stage. Hmm. It's it's tragic, but there there needs to be a slashing of interest rates and a recession, and then the yield curve will normalise, and then we're back to the yeah. we're yeah. back to normal economic function. But right now, the reason that we've been brought that the the economists have been broadcasting a recession for such a long time is that the yield curve has been inverted for a year now. That is highly unusual. Um, so if the yield curve does what the yield curve does, it means it's going to be predicting a recession so that within six months. And so we're kind of there now. Like we're That's why I think we're in a recession. Now. We're, we're already in there, right? But it just depends on you know how you look at data yeah. like you always do. So we're in a recession on a per capita basis, if I'm memory, if, um, if not, yeah. Like mm. it's purely because all that overseas migrant that's coming in, that's kind of like putting it in a positive tone. But yeah. yeah. Cool. Awesome. And John, anything else to add? No, um, but you know, have a Merry Christmas uh, to you and, and the listeners, and uh, uh, and uh, let's. I look forward to doing this again in twenty twenty four. Yeah, yeah, and no, Merry Christmas to you and your family as well. Um, heard you're going to go camping, so maybe you should <laughs> camping tips for our, with our listeners when you come back later on. So survival, yes. All right. Well, thank you, listeners, for joining us throughout twenty twenty three. You know, it's been fun. I think it's been good. Uh, you know, and thank you, John, as well. Obviously, contributing all the. Um, all your valuable opinions and insights to us. Uh, we look forward to doing more of these episodes in 2024. Um, and um, otherwise, have a good and safe holidays. And we'll see you guys again in 2024. John and David. If you have any questions or feedback about today's episode, you can reach out to us through sparkyourfirepodcast at gmail.com. That's sparkyourfirepodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. Also, the content discussed in this episode is general in nature. Please seek specific advice from qualified professionals in regards to your personal situation.